there's nothing scarier or there's no worse gig in the world than getting punched in the face in your underwear on you know national TV, <laughs> especially when you lose. So that's still that's still a winner. Toughest thing I've ever done. Yeah, I mean stand up's fucking tough, man. Don't get me wrong; they're just so completely different. Welcome back to the show. I'm Travis Chappell, and I believe that if you can connect with the best, you can become the best. So after creating 800 podcast episodes about building your network, I've come to realize that networking is really just making friends. If you're doing it the right way, anyway. Join me as I make friends with world-class athletes like Shaquille O'Neal, entertainers like Rob Deerdeck, authors like Dr. Nicole LaPera, former presidents like Vicente Fox, or even the occasional FBI hostage negotiator, billionaire real estate mogul, or polarizing political figure. So if you want to make more friends that help you become a better version of yourself, then subscribe to the show and keep on listening because this is Travis Makes Friends. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Travis Makes Friends. Today, I am making friends with Brendan Shaw. Brendan, what's up, dude? What's up, friend? Hey, thanks for uh, joining me. We'll see if we're friends after this interview. Yeah, I, it's really the true Travis talk. tries to make friends that's, and stay friends. That should be more what the show yes. is called. It's kind of a mouthful, though. So. Yes, okay. I could use some more friends, though, so let's do it. Well, there we go. Yeah, well, we're both here now. So um, let's, uh, let's, let's go back in time, man. Um, everybody knows you for who you are today. Mm-hmm. And everybody that follows you, basically watches all the stuff that you put out on several podcasts. Yeah, it's too have. much stuff. <clears throat> it's a lot. Too much. But it's psori- a lot of good stuff. I have psoriasis. It's a lot of good stuff. Though. It's a lot of good stuff. Yeah. I mean, obviously, or you wouldn't yeah. continue to do it. Correct. So nobody would continue to listen to it. Or Fair point. Yeah, yeah. It's up for a debate. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I want to know, I want to know why, you know, I, I find that it's pretty rare that you talk to, you know, nine-year-old Brendan Schaub and go, what do you want to be when you grow up? And mm-hmm. he's like, celebrity podcaster sure so uh let's go back in time to then nine-year-old brennan Schaub. set the scene for me man. Like, nine-year-old brennan Schaub. yeah i'm in aurora colorado predominantly right. black neighborhood um my skill set back then was being silly and then uh football football is how i like made friends and got um notice from girls so it was a double-edged sword if you ever seen that movie shark's tale you ever seen that yeah. So I'm a great white, but I feel like a dolphin. So I have the great white skills, but my personality is of a dolphin. I don't want to be a great white. But the only way I could survive in my neighborhood was by being the great white that I became. So um, my 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 mom always gravitated towards me doing, you know, uh, acting and uh, comedy and, uh, you know, Saturday Night Live was like our North Star. Still is. Still my golden hope. Like that young, she was... That young, it was Robin Williams. My heroes growing up were Jim Carrey, Adam Sandler. And then on the football side, it was Junior Seau and Steve Atwater and Dan Marino and stuff. So, what was a, did you play? Um, man, as a kid, I was uh, like a, a fullback, which is insane as a six-year-old or seven-year-old. Fullback and linebacker. Yeah. Um, and I excelled in that big time. I was so uh, kind of consumed by it at uh again predominantly black school so the way you stood out was athletic so i would wear uh my parents bought me those uh, molded mcgregor cleats yeah. and so we didn't grow up with a lot of money so they wouldn't buy me shoes then though so i uh was like well just give me the cleats i'll handle the rest so i'd wear cleats to school the kids would make fun of me because clink on the <laughs> things i'd be like wait to recess bitch just wait till we get to recess and then recess came and your boy showed out you know, and they're like, Jesus Christ, is recess, but whatever it took. Um, so, yeah. Always so, a competitor. Always, always, competitor. always, yeah. always, always had a competitive, competitive uh, spirit. But, uh, yeah, football was the goal and, um, you know, always wanted to do stand-up. And then I just kind of, you know, the stars aligned eventually for me to get into that space. But 
the 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 end goal for me was you know I thought it was gonna be Tony Gonzalez you know I thought it was gonna be a uh, Travis Kelsey more yeah. updated tight end for you guys so I thought it was gonna be like a Travis Kelsey had an opportunity played uh, went to high school in Aurora Colorado Overland High School and then I uh, went to University of Colorado for football and then I uh, was like oh I'm on my way to the NFL didn't get drafted broke my heart and then I was a free agent with the Buffalo Bills I got there they're like we're all set on slow white guys I was like okay that's cool and then uh they sent me home and I was selling supplements door to door and uh, like pursuit of happiness style selling supplements door to door and then uh I would do jiu-jitsu um just to kill time because I always like jujitsu and I had this weird knack for it and people were like man you're really good at this you should do this I'm like I'm not doing this and then um, I went to a gym. I was doing jiu-jitsu at the gym, but it was like a fight gym. This was before the UFC was really big. And it was Nate Markart's gym. And um, I was rolling. Nate goes, you don't have any big guys to roll with, so you're not going to get much better if you keep going with small guys. He goes, uh, on Thursday, a guy named Shane Carwin's coming in, and you guys would be great you know, training partners. And I was like, okay. And Shane has an extensive wrestling background. I think he was a Division II national champ. So you didn't do any of that in high school? None of it. No, I played football, football lacrosse. That was my thing. So uh, Shane comes in that Thursday. I'm waiting. I'm like, it would be cool to have you know, a bigger guy to roll with because not a lot of big guys. And Shane Carwin came in at the time. I think he had one professional MMA fight. And we just hit it off right away. And then um, went to dinner. And he's like, man, when are you going to come back? I'm like, you tell me your schedule. And then me and him just kept training together. And he's getting ready for a fight. I went and cornered him in uh, Jackson, Mississippi for a second MMA fight. And then uh, he was like, man, I need somebody to spar with. And I was like, oh, I'll do it. We're, you know, we're already training jiu-jitsu. So I started sparring with him, and I didn't have money, and he'd pay for me to train with him and his coach, Trevor Whitman, who's this renowned trainer now. Um, at the time, he was not, but I didn't have money, so Shane would pay for it to, to kind of help me out. So I'd hit mitts with Trevor, and then I'd be in on Shane's sessions. And then probably two weeks, three weeks of that, Shane goes, Golden Gloves uh, is next week. And I go, that's cool. Like the boxing? He's like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, cool, dude. He's like, I signed you up for it. I'm like, dude. So he signed me up for it. And then, uh, I remember I, I went to that and then, uh, it was a whole tournament. It's like the biggest amateur boxing tournament. I ended up winning that all knockouts. It was kind of unheard of in that wow. amateur space. Wow. Yeah. And then that was my dad came to the finals and my dad was like, what are you doing? Like I have a double degree from University of Colorado, you know, in, he went in uh, sociology and business. My dad's okay. like, use your degree, man. This is ridiculous. And I told him, I said, come to the finals of Golden Gloves. If I win that, you got to support me. He's like, okay, fine. And I fought this military guy who's whatever, six, eight, this giant black dude and uh, end up knocking him out in the second round. And then after that, just boxing, my, just boxing with headgear on. So wow. it's kind of unheard of to have knockouts. Yeah. Yeah, so after that, my dad was like, okay, maybe you can <laughs> do this. And then I would say a year and a half after that, I got invited to the ultimate fighter. Okay. Uh, made to the finale on that in the ultimate fighter house season 10 with Kimbo and Roy Nelson. And the next thing you know, I did not ask for this. This was not the dream. It's just the path I went down. Next thing you know, I'm in the UFC, uh, short left out. I'm fighting Gabriel Gonzaga's Gonzaga, uh, Anaheim on a big pay per view. I beat him. And then I fight Mirko Krokop, who was like one of my heroes when I was in the sport, ended up knocking him out. And I'm ranked in the top 10. I just remember sitting back there like, what the fuck is happening right yeah, now? No like, I don't enjoy this. It's not what I want to do with my life. But I felt like I was like pigeonholed. Like, yeah. well, this is like, this. I'm is what you, really good at this. Like though. this way, but just because you're good at something doesn't mean you have to do sure. it. You know. And my dad always told me, like, you don't have to do it. Yeah. So I just remember just being like, man, this just isn't what I want to do with my life. But it gave me. I wouldn't change anything. It did yeah. give me a a platform and Absolutely. the lessons I learned through you know and the the friends I've made and the connections I've made. Like yeah. I wouldn't change anything. You know. Um. 
how long were you? I know this is back a little bit in the story. No, please. I jumped from nine to 30. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool. So back when you're, you're selling supplements door to door, how long did you do that? Three years. So you did that while you were training. training, That was like the way you're making money. Yeah. And they would let me off. Uh, to train sometimes because the pro training would be at like whatever two in the afternoon. I'd be like, can I please go? And they'd let me off. And then eventually that started to become a problem. Um, but I didn't have crazy bills. Like uh, I remember when I was the ultimate fighter, I left my truck at my brother's house. It got repo because I wasn't making the payments on it. I was living with my brother. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what what lessons do you think you took from knocking doors and selling stuff for three years? That's a long time. So background, I did door to door sales for like six or seven years. Hell yeah. So, five different products, yeah. much different companies, recruited, mm-hmm. trained, hired, like yep. everything in the door-to-door mm-hmm. industry. And so anytime somebody says they did door-to-door, most of the time it's like, oh, I did a summer job thing. I did it for no, six man. weeks and I quit. No, no. It's like, you, you do door-to-door for anything longer than one or two months. It's like, you got to figure some shit out. Yeah, it's like pursue a happiness. You got your briefcase, feel like a dumbass. Uh, <laughs> you don't know who you went. You're not selling supplements door to door. So it's like you knock on the door, some old lady answers like, right. what do we have in the repertoire that I can sell to this old lady? You right. know, so um, I would think, I mean, pick up on social cues. You pick up on like kind of putting, getting somebody's guard down. Like, no, 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 I know. I know you're not expecting this. And like, it's like they're caught off by surprise. So you pick up good on like verbal and social cues, can try and figure that out. And then you can capitalize on that in the conversation, try to get a sale. So that helped me out just dealing with people that don't want to talk to you or have no idea about what you're selling and trying to win them over. And all demographic types. Like you said, like you knock on the door, it's a surprise who's going to open. I went everywhere. I mean, all over Aurora, you know, in the hood. I went to, uh, rich areas didn't matter, man. Didn't matter. And you gotta, you have to and learn the rich how to people talk the ones to that every suck. single person. Yeah, the rich people are the toughest ones oh, for sure. by far. Yeah. There's a reason they have money. Yeah. yeah, we we always said the best neighborhoods were like the best, the best, like the worst quality neighborhoods that could still pass credit checks. Yes, that was where we were. Yes, yes, like, that was where. If we you see be. a pawn shop and a uh, like check cash shop, <laughs> yeah. you're like, oh, this could get dicey around <laughs> yeah, here. Right. Yeah, exactly. Might not have bunch of luck yeah and i think yeah. you get confidence too and also you, you you get good at failure you get good at taking l's because you majority you can take l's that's the big deal you can take a lot of l's and just keep on keeping on i think that's the big deal dude because i um you know guy Raz was the podcast called uh, how i built this like probably one of the biggest if not the biggest um business podcasts out mm-hmm. there but he talks to all like you know the silicon valley billionaire type people he wrote a book called how i built this it's like a kind of memoir or like a summary of the show and uh, when he did his book tour, I listened to a few of his interviews, and the question that everybody kept asking was like, what's the commonality? Like, he talked to all these super insanely successful people. What's the commonality between all of them? And the one answer that he gave consistently every time was- White. They learned- <laughs> well, besides that. <laughs> yeah. Besides that. They were all white, Brendan. Yeah. Um, Just kidding. <laughs> was that they learned how to handle rejection. Yes, that's a that's, that's the, a big that was thing. The, the, the number one common denominator, and that helps in in sports. I learned that young in football, like you know, you're gonna take some else, yeah. but then in fighting, like the the valleys and peaks are so high. I was and say so it's low. gotta be, more but then in stand up, in stand up, you're taking L's, man. You try new material, and you're at the improv or laugh factory or ice house or comedy store. You take an L. It takes a special kind of person, especially early on in my career. When you take that L to not get you know too down on yourself sure. and get back on stage and keep going, keep pursuing. So you had this really unique situation that I think not a lot of people really gave you credit for, which was that you you already had the platform before you switched 
right? So like when a lot of people get into stand up from whatever they were in before, it wasn't a big like they're switching from being you know an insurance salesman in mm-hmm. Iowa to like being in stand up. Or the other thing, or the other thing would be you know you which is the typical thing is like an NBA player retires, he's an analyst. A, a fighter yeah. retires, he's an analyst. Sure. Or he's, you know, he opens a gym. Like that's right. the traditional path. Right. That's like the, re- that's like the pivot, the traditional that pivot. That is not for me. But from, the, from like fighting professionally to going into standup Insane. is a completely different pivot. Upsets a lot of people. Yeah. And you're starting, especially in that world, right? Because you have people that have people. been taking L's on stage for 18 mm-hmm. fucking years. Mm-hmm. And then they see like a newbie coming up and they're, and then you get platformed. It's like, totally understand screw that guy. Totally understand it. Have no animosity towards those people. I get it. Yeah. So what was it like for you coming into the space? And like, cause the, the, the big thing is you had to learn while people were watching you. Yes. You didn't get to learn while nobody was watching. Yeah. Which I, which to me, like the level of difficulty when you're doing that, the, the stakes are higher. Absolutely. do I wish I never did fighting and didn't have a fan base and started comedy? Fuck yeah, dude. You tell me I can go to open mic or I can show up at the comedy store and try and get in a potluck or something like that. I have, I, I don't get, I'm not allowed to do that. Right. So especially early on, I would go to places where, yeah, maybe somebody knows who I am, but they're not expecting me. Or I'd go to these weird locations just because you don't want to get in front of people who know you from fighting because that's sure. not good. You don't, you don't know where you, the chips are going to fall there. So for me, it was like this weird, like path to comedy, trying to find places or, or follow monsters that I would always put myself. And that's where I think fighting and football came into play here. Cause in fighting, the one asset that I knew is like, when it was sparring day, there's certain guys like, Oh, I don't want to spar the guy. Well, why don't you want to spar the guy? Cause he gives me problems. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's who you should be sparring sure. because you're only going to get better. Cause if he's that's giving problems now, yeah. when you, when the lights are on, you're getting paid for it. You don't want those same problems. That's what you want to gravitate towards, but it's in our human nature not to go that way. So I was good about going that way, forcing myself to go that way. So in, in stand up, I think early on with young comics, it's not natural to want to follow a Joey Diaz, a Chris D'Elia, a Joe Rose, Logan, a Brian Callen, a Theo Vaughn, a Tom Segura, a Burt Kreischer, I would ask to be followed by them or at least go right on before them. Or some, don't, don't give me a sweet cupcake spot. Yeah, yeah. Give, me, give me a shitty spot. Let yeah. me figure it out. So I think that's where my path has been different. Now you could say, oh, the reason he makes money torn is because he had a fan base prior. I haven't fought in nine years, man. You know, So yeah. that doesn't really work. But then also... You're open mic. Nobody knows who you are. You have the, you know, the freedom to get away with stuff, try sure, stuff. Right. I don't have that. I had to get pretty good really, really fast. And it was very stressful. Still is. Still yeah, is. Right. Still is. Right. I mean, you came in at, I want to kind of parse through the timeline here. So you are, you're fighting and then the fight world at some point mixes with the comedy world. How did that come about? Who I was were the a, first connections. Yeah, had? I was a coach on the Ultimate Fighter uh, on Shane Carwin season. He was supposed to fight Roy Nelson, but I think Roy got hurt. So then Shane ended up fighting Junior Dos Santos. Either way, that wasn't a good fight. But I was a coach in the house on the Ultimate Fighter, like a grappling specialist. And uh, Nate Morcart had a connection to Brian Callen, who uh, you know is a big comic, and uh, he brought Brian in to make the kids laugh at the time in the Ultimate Fighter. And I was like, oh, hell yeah, I love stand-up. And, you know, secretly, you know, I, like, adore stand-up. It's what yeah. I've always wanted to do. Did you so, tell anybody before that? 
Uh, my mom knew, my brother knew, but I mean, in general, my friends wouldn't know. No, yeah. no, probably not. Maybe my college buddy I've talked about too when we got like drunk and stuff. Sure. Yeah, and, you yeah. know, but we also talked about like hooking up with dudes as right. a joke. So <laughs> they didn't take me serious. So, uh, <laughs> so, um, uh, they brought Brian into the, into the house and, uh, we just, we met there and we hit it off. He's like, I have a show tonight. You, you should come. And I come to a show in Vegas. And then, uh, he's like, we just hit it out. We had this weird chemistry and he was like, um, man, if you're ever in LA, uh, hit me up, man. I was like, yeah, no doubt. And he's like, no, seriously. I was like, well, this is what's interesting is I'm actually moving to LA because I grew up in Venice Beach in the summers. My uncle lived here. My dad would always send me my brother and he'd come with us during the summer. So I grew up in Denver, Aurora, Colorado, and then also Venice, California, Venice right. Beach because at my uncle's place. So we do, so I was planning to leave Denver. I was on a two fight losing skin. I need to switch something up. So I was going to move to LA to find something new, start a new chapter. And so Brian's like, hit me up when you come, like, no doubt. So I remember packing up all my stuff in Denver, telling my family I'm going to leave. They're devastated. And the way I wanted to soften the blow, I was like, I'm coming back in a month. I'm only going there for a month and I'll come back. I'll switch back. And they're like, okay, thank God. But I knew in my mind I was never coming back. Mm -hmm. So I packed everything up, drove down there. And then um, I remember I pulled into my uncle's place and I just remember I started crying. I was like, I have nothing. I have no friends. I don't know where I, what I'm going to do, how I'm going to figure it out. What the hell did I do? I need like to go mid-20s? Mid-20, 24. I was at 25. Maybe I was like devastated. I was like, God, you're an idiot, dude. I knew nobody. And I was like, oh, yeah, that Brian Callen guy gave me his number. So I'm like tears in my eyes. And I'm texting him. I'm like, hey, man, remember if you want to get coffee? I'm here. Two seconds later, sounds good. Sent me an address, Intelligentsia off Main Street. And I was like, what? Or off, I'm sorry, Abbott Kenny. I was like, he texts way too fast. Like he's <laughs> so desperate to hang out. <laughs> so I meet with him and then we're just talking about things. And again, we have this weird chemistry. He's like, um, he's like, man, I do a podcast. Dude, this is 12 years ago. He goes, I do a podcast. And I go, what's a podcast? Yeah, he's right. like, it's like radio, but you record it. This is before everyone, their gay aunt had a podcast, right? <laughs> out of the garage. And he's like, I do a podcast. And I was like, I don't want to do that. He's like, no, come on. And uh, we'll have fun. I'm like, all right, dude. So I go. It's out of his house in Santa Monica. We're in wife beaters. We have a picture of this. We're both in wife beaters and just talking shit or whatever. It gets done. He's like, man, we should do this once a week. I'm like, I don't want to do this once a week, man. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you'll just break down fighting. And I was like, oh, that's how you don't know me. I don't want to break. Like, my life is fighting right now. I don't want to do that. But if you allow me to talk fashion, cars, comedy, I'm in. Anything else. Yeah. He was like, all right, we can do that. I go, what should we call it? He's like, I don't know. I go, well, what's, what's like your nickname? He's like, everyone calls me the kid. I was like, okay. And he's like, oh, how about the fighter and the kid? I was like, that's dope. Let's go with fighter and the kid. Two years later, I realized he made that name up. Nobody calls him the kid. <laughs> he, he was 40 something years old when I met him. He's 42. Nobody calls him the kid. He literally made that up. I was like, people don't call you on set. He's like, nah, man, no one's ever called me. It'd be cool though. I'm like, wow. <laughs> they do now. Our entire relationship started on a lie. <laughs> yeah, you're a fraud. But uh, yeah. So yeah, we just started doing it. And then we we're having so much fun doing it. And then um, I remember we're, you know, we're one of the first to ever, you know, athlete and a comic to start a podcast. Now, you know, millions of people do it, but we were one of the, we were the first to do it. I mean, talking 10 12 years ago yeah yeah like, yeah we started like 2000 years ago yeah man yeah, yeah yeah so uh i mean i'd be walking the airport going to like ufc what was it two or 174 like i was going to vancouver to fight andre alofsky i'm going through tsa and everyone's like saying oh. sa things i say in the podcast I'm like oh what are you what are you doing vancouver man we're doing toronto i was like what do you mean? Like, you're, are you here doing comedy i'm like at the time i was in stand-up i'm like no like you're doing like a live podcast i'm like 
do you not have a TV? You don't see me on the promos for the big UFC? They're like, oh, that's right, dude. I'm like, and in my head, I'm like, oh, shit. Start realizing. They know me for being funny, not for being this meathead inside the octagon. I'm like, that's mm. cool. And then, uh, so we kept doing it, even though I was fighting. And then um, at the time, we just started to get ads, you know, for the first, whatever, three, four years, we weren't making any money. But then we started, the ad money started rolling in. I remember. Wait, hang on, hang on. So go that, ahead. So that, so that one more time, how, how long you were not making money? Probably three years, three, four years. Yeah. yeah this nothing. is what, dude, I'm sorry to cut you off here. I, like, I just have to step in because like we, <clears throat> we do a lot of, we produce podcasts, we coach people on podcasts, we teach podcasting, we have a marketing agency that does all things in the podcast sure. space. And that's one of the things that people always talk about. It's like, they want, instant they money. want, yeah, they want to make money. No. It's like, okay. I tell people, give it two, three years and see if you still want to do it for free. Correct. And then if you still want to do it for free after that, then you might make money in another two or three years after that. Yeah, we never started the podcast to make money. I've never done it. I didn't, do, I didn't start stand-up to make money. I didn't start any podcast to make money. Which is why you're making money at it now. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I never, I've never done anything just like, oh, this is just for the dollars. Right. Like I, I didn't start my whiskey because I want to turn into Conor McGregor. I did it because I love whiskey, yeah. you know? So anything I do, it has to be organic. You can't force me to do anything now. Not nothing. So yeah, with the podcast, even with stand up, like money that was great. You're going to pay me to do it. I would do it anyway. Sure. So it's yeah. great. But I remember we got our first like major check for doing podcasting at the time we were with Fox. I got the first major check. And then I also had my check on the counter. I was living at 800 square foot apartment in Marina Del Rey with my girl, my wife now. And we had the two checks sitting there and the check for being this silly dumbass compared to the check of getting punched in the face was way more. I was like, figure it out, dude. <laughs> I was like, Oh, I'm done. I'm out of here. So I, you know, I just ran with podcasting after that. And then <laughs> that was the last fight. That was the last fight. That was the last fight ever. And then, uh, we started to do live fighting the kids again. This is before people were doing live podcast but brian was brilliant i'll give him all the credit on this he goes you ever seen a live podcast i'm like yeah they suck just two guys sitting down talking on stage he's like we're not going to do that we're both performers he's like we're going to make it a show it's a fine kids show it's not a podcast or a show so you come out and tell a 10 minute story because you're a good storyteller and then we had all these bits lined up so we'd have a set list of bits we'd do for every show and i was like oh that's smart he's like yeah and i was like oh wait so i'm doing stand-up and he knew I wanted to stand up, but he didn't want to scare me. He's like, no, you're not doing stand up. You're just telling a story like you're on a podcast. Like, just pick an interesting story, and then 10 minutes, then I'll come out. Yeah, I was yeah. like, all right, cool. We're doing big venues. Like, my first time ever on stage, I think, was in either Bray or Ontario. Like, 500 people sold out. First wow. time ever. These so, are just fans of the show. Fans of the show, because the show was, you know, show's big. Yeah. So, we, we keep doing that. And then I remember we're at, I think we're at the Vic in Chicago, massive theater. I mean, seats 3,000. And I'm backstage. I'm all nervous. I'm like, I don't know what story I'm going to tell him. Brian's like, what's, st- what are you talking about story? I go, come on, dude. Like, I'd get so frustrated. I'm like, the story. We start every show with story. He's like, oh, dumbass. You think you're telling stories? I go, what am I doing? He's like, you're doing stand up. He goes, most people are laughing. And then just a light bulb went ding. I went, Oh my God, dude. And I got more nervous. Mm. But he was like, Yeah, you're doing stand up, dude. This is my way of pushing into stand up. Yeah. And then Rogan was like, You got to do stand up. You got to do stand up. Whitney Cummins was like, You know, you can do stand up for the rest of your life. I'm like, You think? And she's been it forever. So has Rogan. So I was like, All right, let's see what happens. Here we are. That's wild, dude. That's wild. When I was, was waiting first- for CT to kick in. So you probably enjoy- <laughs> buy your tickets in Naples, Florida this weekend and then Bakersfield and Brea because. I don't, we'll see. CT's yeah. going to kick in any second. <laughs> the now. clock is ticking. Yeah, I'm paying a heavy price. <laughs> oh, man. When was the first time that, uh, that you guys did Rogan? Well, I mean, Callan probably did it a bunch before that. 
Not really. No. no. Yeah, we did. Rogan moved to Denver when I was in Denver. And then when I moved to L.A., we would always go to dinners. Like, we do a ton of dinners. Me, Brian, Rogan, um, Tate Fletcher, a bunch of different guys. And I would tell them. They would always ask me to tell. These guys would tell me to tell them stories. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Rogan was like, you're fucking funny, dude. I was like, thanks, man. He's like, I'm telling you, you got to get in stand-up. And kept pushing me. And then uh, at the time... Uh, he probably lived maybe his studio was like a mile from me. Yeah. And then he was like, come on the podcast. And me and Brian went on there to promote finding the kid. And then it just kept on keeping on. And now I think I'm the most, I've made the most appearances on JRE ever. Really? It's almost, like almost 90. Yeah. We were doing, we were doing some research before, obviously before this interview. And I was looking, I was like, Jesus, how many times has this dude been on? Yeah. <laughs> Between just me and Rogan alone, me and Brian and then fight companion. Yeah. Right. And the, I mean, I'll still go on Rogan by myself, especially like when I'm releasing a special or tour dates, but then yeah. fight, we're starting to do more fight companions. Yeah. And we just did one last week. Along the way though, like when, when you guys first got started, like Rogan was nowhere near no, 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 the no. legend that it's become now. No, no. Right. No. I mean, like you watched it go from like, oh yeah, that's the guy from Fear Factor. Correct. Right. To like people are oh, that's surprising Joe people Rogan. are still that way, kind of. Really? Like uh, you you do the show with the guy from Fear Factor. I'm like, Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> Are you living under a fucking <laughs> rock? I'm not even entertaining this conversation. Like yeah. Multiples of I mean, the views. He's on also one of the biggest Factor. comics in the world. He hasn't yeah, been doing right. stand up longer than any of that bullshit. Right. He's a right. stand up first. Yeah, that's what I tell people all the time because again, we teach people podcasting, a lot of people are like, well, I just want to be like Joe Rogan. I'm like, well, first of all, that's not gonna happen. So like you know, let's reframe some chance. things. Like yeah, a comic before with that he got into podcasting. He had already done like 20 years of stand-up comedy. Correct. He was an extremely effective communicator yes. that knew a ton of different people, mm-hmm. all from multitudes of backgrounds. He mm-hmm. knew how to communicate with them and hold conversations with them and be funny at the same time. He was a television host. He was on a sitcom. Yes. Like when he started, he was already leagues ahead of you. Correct. And he started the podcast before there was like, before like there the was boom. like a thousand shows in existence. Podcasts and on the decline now, in general, as far as the the people, the entry the number level, of people that are it's, starting, it's going back yeah. down because like listenership think, is up. Yes, the the odd the audio listenership is up. The yes. viewership on YouTube is down across the board. Mm-hmm. Yes, really. Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. well, and that's for a variety of reasons that YouTube controls. Yeah, I was going to say Bigger audio is worth that anyway. Yes, audio is yeah. king, hands yeah. down. A hundred percent. All I care about is audio numbers. Do you guys do you guys find a lot of like uh, reach on social media clips versus audio? Like, are you driving everything to audio? Like, listen to the podcast. No, the I mean, podcast? I th- I think because audio kind of take care of itself because people find it. We push everything towards YouTube, really. Okay. Like the visual clips, all that. Okay. Yeah, everything goes to YouTube. Uh, for the most part, and yeah. The podcast is kind of the catch-all. Yes. Like, if you listen, you're gonna listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But you don't do much like to promote to the promote audio. The no, the people find the audio. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, that's that's what I've found is that. It's the most difficult part to grow because discoverability is audio. Yeah, for sure. Because discoverability's shit, big time the now. The only way to find it is to search it. The waters are murky. Yeah, right, right, exactly. Unless yeah. you're a new podcast and you book like some crazy guest, and people are like, "Oh, let me check this out." And I'm like, "All right, then what else have they done?" Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was gonna say even then, like you might get a small spike in numbers, mm-hmm. but the next episode, it's back down to where it normally yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. Uh, I mean, as long as I've been doing, I'm not interested in that. You know, the 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 wave of booking a big guest and you have nothing in common with them just for the views. I yeah. don't. There's yeah. no longevity in that. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather do a podcast with my friends and it gets less views. I'm good. And but it makes it more interesting. Yeah, because you're buddies, and, yeah. and I want to do it. And you've built a solid fan base now. Where mm-hmm. is that's the thing that <laughs> again, dude? I got these people that are just like, I just want to like start 
podcast. And I just want to like bullshit with my friends. Like we're all pretty funny or whatever. No. And it's like, but the problem is though, nobody cares. Nobody knows you. Yeah, no one cares. Like yeah. nobody knows who you are. Besides Therefore, your f- they're just, they have zero amount of investment in your story, in your bullshit, in about what happened to you at work. Nobody gives a fuck. No, because like Tim Dillon told me, he's like, bro, now that there's so much money being made in podcasting, like legit talents get involved. Like, exactly. We, like it was so niche when you and I were doing, it, especially you. Now, like you have, you know. Fucking Jason Bateman. Yeah, it's like you get legit Hollywood stars with fan base. They're doing it now. It's just a different. It's a different thing. Yeah, it's just a different thing now. Yeah, you, you, it's it's all about niche now. Like you get your absolutely. fan base. Fuck everybody else. Ride with your fan base. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with. Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. So I got a buddy. Um, I got a buddy who's been podcasting for a while. He just started this new show. It's about vertical farming. Oh. I didn't even know that was a thing yeah. that existed until he was telling me about it. It does not get a ton of traction, obviously. Podcast Unless you're a farmer, I bet for farming, he crushes but if you're it. a vertical farmer. Yeah. That's the only show that, that exists. Yeah, so you listen to it. All fourteen of them are crunk every his, Monday. <laughs> his first, his first two seasons, he, he released. He, he released two seasons, and he got and he sold sponsorships on all of them. He made seventy thousand dollars on sponsorships for his first two seasons mm-hmm. with a minimal, minimal amount of downloads. And I was like, that is the perfect case study. Yes, or what it means to niche down niche yes and, and find there's a there's a lane care for about it. yeah there's right? a lane for it for right. sure and there's advertisers want to spend money it's like advertisers want to spend money but the bottom line is like if you're trying to advertise whiskey you're going to advertise it on your show mm-hmm. or rogan because mm-hmm. you're because you need massive distribution mm-hmm. with a wide variety Correct. of potential customers yep. but if you're a vertical farming equipment salesman you know what I mean? It's like there's cut your sponsorship. Down. It would, it would, yeah. But would, those sponsors, they would crunk. waste money on your show. Yeah, correct. Because there's the 99% of your listeners don't give a shit. About no, sir. It. Yeah. So they go to this guy and it's like, yeah, you might only get whatever, 
seven hundred downloads. His conversion rate's great though. Exactly. Yeah, his yeah. conversion rate should be higher than a million downloads. Yes. So like perfect example, dude. I know I said I wouldn't bring this up, so sorry to rub some salt on the wound. No, what do you got? Um, <laughs> you've been into fish a lot. Yes. Lately, okay. So if you started a freaking fish podcast about like aquariums or whatever, I bet you 100% it would be your least downloaded podcast, but it would get like in terms of dollars per download, the, the highest of everything else. Yeah, it's strange. Because you would have these hobbyists that would come in and they want to spend money and it's an expensive hobby. Agree. You know yeah. I, mean? I th- well, a lot of it, like it's all organic. Like with that, it just came through. My son wanted a fish tank, and as a kid, I loved fish, but we didn't have money to buy like the nice fish. So I took him to get fish. I'm like, these fish are bullshit. Yeah, like goldfish. Yeah, I was like, this is a waste of time, dude. And then um, I asked the guy, I'm like, hey, where can I get cool fish? He like looked around. He's like, dude, go to up here. And it was like right near my house. I'm like, yeah, he's like, they have everything. So I walked in there. I'm like, oh. And I, I remember as a kid, I was so obsessed with fish tanks. I knew everything about them. And just all that came back to me. And the next thing, literally three weeks, later, I have three fish tanks, 80-gallon tank, 55-gallon tank, 30-gallon, and I have all these exotic fish. I just got really into it. And then I would post about it and talk about it. And, you know, it might not get a million views. It gets good views. But then I saw how my fan base, because – it's, you know, they're not going to give me advice on fighting or on stand up. They don't do sure. that, but they do know fish. So mm. the amount of engagement I got for people like, hey, try this out or have you seen this fish? Because that's them going, oh, actually, this I know more yeah, than I relate about. to that. Yes, now, this yeah. I can actually help them. Yeah. So the engagement, the, the, the connection I've made in the fish world is insane. As well. Same thing happened with during the pandemic. I got really into bike riding, still am. That's mainly, I, I ride bikes more than I lift weights now. I love mm. riding bikes. But the bike community is so supportive. So as a fish community, I've made great connections just through riding bikes. Hey, I like bikes. People are like, well, I know more about bikes than you do. Let me help you out because you've helped me out from making me laugh or whatever the fight breakdown. So here's how I'm going to give back. So you meet some great people, man. It's dope. Yeah, that is the wild thing about the internet, dude, is like no matter how crazy or weird the niche is, there's an entire community of thousands or millions of people. And, they, and that they're interested in that same thing. And they know their shit, man. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's what I love about the podcasting space, dude, is that when, when I go to like a podcast conference, I, I do a lot of like events and conferences and stuff like that. And how long and, have you been doing it? Uh, six years, mm-hmm. almost six years. Um, and in the business world, it's basically the same group of people because everybody's there for business, you know? So like the, the personality types are similar. The, sure. the types of people are very similar. But you go to like a podcasting event and they're a lot of fun, dude, because Everybody that's there, the only thing that unites them is the medium yes. through which they get their message out. Yep. But the like industries are vast. Like I said, anything from vertical farming For sure. to business to comedy. Variety it's just it, like, yeah. wow, the, the, the just pure spectrum of folks that exist in this world. Yep. Just the only thing that unites us is the way that we talk. Yep. To I, I think the, the kind of the perspective on podcasting is changing too because the Rogan deal, they see how much money he's getting like – my dad forever be like, are you even making money doing this? I'm right. like, oh, dad. Come, oh, dad. <laughs> you know? So it's like now it's changed a little bit because they see like Caller Daddy and Dak Shepard and Armchair Expert. Like no one really knows the finances of a, of a podcast. Right. Right. Now that Rogan deal, you know, Smartless, Wondery, Gimlet, all these like networks and stuff that are being picked up. Like it's when they, when those first checks were signed, it's like they, they called the price of what a 
I it changed the game. And, right. I, you know, I'm I glad those guys got paid. I don't know if it changed for the better because then you get this influx of dumbasses. Totally. And so now, because there's no, the the level of entry is so minimum. When, a camera, if you want to be on YouTube, but really just need, because audio is king, you just need two mics and so knows what the fuck they're doing. Right. So the level of entry is so low, so everyone can do it. Yep. So it just mur- it, it makes the waters a little muddy. That's always the saying, dude. But, but like- talent always rises to the top. Oh, right, exactly. always, always, always. Yeah, there's always room for the best yes. in every situation. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, I think people underestimate what it takes to become the best. At something. Yes. Especially somebody who's field. never been the best at anything. Yes. You know, like yeah. you take somebody who's just been like in complacent mediocrity for their entire life and then give them a microphone. Yeah. They're just going to sink to the middle again. Yeah. You're not going to blame like everybody Rogan. else. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right, yeah, I'm blaming exactly. everybody. yeah. I think, and that's where, you know, me and Brian were perfect because Brian's not a business guy, really. Like, he just, he's, you know, he's a comic and actor. So he just, people tell him what to do. He gets a script or comedy. It's on his, you know, on his time. So with the podcast, I brought the business side to it because he would come late or whoever it was. If we had a guest and were late, I took it as such disrespect because I was like, this is no, and I tell all new podcasters like this, treat it like you work for ESPN or treat it for, like you work for HBO. Mm-hmm. It should come out the exact same time every single fucking week. Yeah. It shouldn't come out a day later and people don't know when it comes out. It comes out the exact fucking time. Yep. So people can depend on you because if it's coming out maybe a Tuesday, maybe a Thursday, you're not taking it serious. Right. So I treat it like I, because I've worked for, you know, uh, Bravo. I worked for E. I've worked for ESPN. I've worked for Fox. I worked for Showtime for all these years. So it's like I treat my business the exact same way that when I was an employee of those businesses. Yeah. Don't disrespect me, man. Well, it's the to. people that do it by the seat of their pants, you know? Right. It's, you know, you can't compete. It, exactly that's the problem can't compete it's never going to gain any traction no you can like, you're competing with the best of the best it's man. like 90 percent of starting like the reason to start a podcast is to build trust with a group of people mm-hmm. that's called an audience mm-hmm. like an audience is a group of people who like brendan so much that they want to tune in to listen to what's going on you're like that's just a wild thing to think of wild in general it's like it's there's this number too. of people that care about what's going on in my life enough to tune in on a weekly basis. Every week, like, that's crazy. you bullshitting. Like, I don't think there's a better medium because like acting like, I don't know fuck all about Leonardo DiCaprio. Well, right, exactly. I know he says he's you into- You think you know him. I know he <laughs> says he's into, you know, like global warming that flies around in private jets. Yeah, like I know he's into chicks <laughs> and making dope movies. I don't know that fucking guy. Right. The podcasters are dope because you know them. Right. Like, you, you know, I've, how long I've been doing, you know, they know, they've been through, you know, my downfalls, you know, right. my losses, the wins, the, the big moments. Cause I, I say everything when I've had children, how I've changed from when I first started with no kids to when I have kids now and they've been through it all. So when, you know, I'm on tour and I do the meet and greets, people are like, this must be weird for me. I'm like, it's not because you guys know. Right. So this isn't weird. I feel like I know, you know, me, this is all good. It's never awkward ever. It's never awkward. Those it's, mean greets, it's it's so dope. It's the only medium that you can't fake. Yes. It's like my team writes 95, and I want to say my team, I mean that guy behind the camera right there, writes like 95% of the shit that I say on social media. Yeah. Most of it comes from my marketing team. Yeah. But I can't fake this conversation right now. No. If you listen to me for seven hours on a podcast, you are going to get a really good idea who the fuck I am. You'd be what the I best actor about. of all time. If, yeah, you, right, if you can exactly. do that for so years, exhausting. for years, there's no way you'll get, you'll get found out eventually. It'd be so exhausting. Yeah. I mean, there's people that do that. Yeah. yeah. I won't mention names. And they're exhausted. I won't mention names. <laughs> oh yeah. It's uh that, that's why I love the media, man. It's like such an intimate, just like, that's why the show's called Travis makes friends. Yeah. Cause it legitimately allows me to go make friends with people. Mm. But I also legitimately feel like the members of my audience can listen to this conversation and be like, it makes them feel like they're sitting on that chair right there. 
Yeah, it's, it's weird because podcast is such a niche thing, like this underground thing. You had your fans, and then I was in Showtime for almost six years. When I had all my shows with there, and they offered me another six-year deal, and I was like, I feel like I can do it myself. And then you go from being the talent and just showing up and doing your thing to running a business. And don't get me wrong, I'm still having fun, but when it's so business, it takes the fun away. And I I, I remember my dad was like, be careful, man. Like You're, you're going to different territory now. Because now, before, you just be this silly guy and could do everything. And now you got to worry about the overhead, the employees. Now you're a boss. He's like, so you're adding that to your plate. I'm like, I can handle it. Pan, literally, we've been going. I left Showtime a year ago. Uh, it would be January 8th is when I left Showtime and started Thick Boy Network. Now I have psoriasis and shit. You know, it's just a lot. <laughs> a lot of stress, dude. A lot of stress. I Different animal. It, it, but, it, you know, it'll be worth it down the road. Yeah, no, I hear that. How's, how's that been going with, uh, like, running the businesses, doing the podcast, being the content? You're, like, the talent and you're the CEO. Mm-hmm. And then you're also you're also a dad. Yes. Or a uh, husband. Yep. How, how, do you, how do you reconcile all of that? I mean, I feel like I'm doing a f- decent job. You know, I'm a great dad. I know that. Um, good dad. Um, sometimes stuff when you go on the road, you know, you miss certain things that, that eats me up. But, uh, the, the Did boss travel with you ever? No, 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 no. They're too young right now. Six and three. It's yeah. tough. Um, you know, as far as being a boss, it's just different because I come from a sports background. So it's like one thing you gotta learn is, you know, these guys, whether it's your producers or editors, like they don't, they didn't come up playing sports. So, you know, I'm very black and white, you know, you're only going to hear from me when you fuck up. And that's not really a way to run business, you know? So you have to be more open to people's feelings and stuff like that. And so I'm learning, you know, I'm learning. Yeah, It's a lot of different personalities. And like, to me, it's like, I, you know, I don't, I don't read motivational books. I don't find people motivational, like from speeches and Ted talks. I'm the last guy that needs that. So I assume everyone's like that. Like I lead by doing, you know, yeah. so, but it's the, everyone doesn't work that way. Right. Sometimes you need to go, Hey, great job on that clip or great job on that food truck diary or Hey, Chang, great job on today's fine kid. Like people need that reassurance and I got to get better at that. I have to. Sure. Yeah. yeah. That is definitely something like if you're going to be su- successful in any leadership role, it's basically just the managing of people. Correct. And personalities. And I remember I called my dad. I was like, Oh, we started with like seven people. I'm like I got the perfect team. He's like, you don't. I think you do. Yeah. He's like, you'd be the first CEO in the history to start with the same seven people and end with the same seven. He's, he's like, maybe they're great at certain aspects of the job, but when it comes to the team and gelling, there's no way you have the perfect team. Like, you're out of your mind. And boy, was he right. <laughs> my God, was Papa right. I was going to say, it sounds like dad's a good sounding board for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad, you know, came from nothing, self-made and hustles. You know, he's where I get my work ethic from. What does he do? Uh, he was a computer programmer, still is, okay. but he start. he's the first to come up with like high level, uh, government encrypted emails for the government and like banks. Oh, wow. He sold that software when I was like, I don't know, 11 or 12. Wow. I think. Yeah. For him. Yeah. Completely Smart self-made. Sell so, oh, completely self-made. Yes. Wow. And my brother's a computer, uh, programmer too. And then also my tour manager. Any other, um, siblings? Nope, just me and my older brother. Okay. But my brother's my tour manager, so I see him on every road date. He's with me, selling merch, selling whiskey. Did he do a bunch of uh, um, sports or athletics as well? Not really. He he'd play basketball somewhat. I remember he used to cry at night because he wasn't black. Um, <laughs> yeah, which is weird. And then um, not really. He, he playing he, basketball. Yeah, he had a troubled childhood. He had a lot of anger issues and was like, you know, got really bad grades and somehow got to Colorado State and then flourished there you know finished with you know a's and b's and went on to work for microsoft computer smart smart guy i'm the dumbest one in the family by far (laughs) not even close not even close 
And that's why you went to boxing. Correct. My, well, even then, my dad's like, what are you doing? Like, you are, this is not for you. I was like, we'll see. What about, uh, what about your kids? Do you have any, like, you know, thought about what they're going to do? Like, do you want to, do you feel like you're going to push them into sports or athletics? Sports or is good. Or uh, comedy, you know, that's, they'll have to find that on their own. I mean, obviously I can help them out with certain things, but when it comes to sports, I do want to play sports, you know, the chance of making the NFL or NBA are not good, you know, and the chance of making the UFC, I don't want them to fight. I have no control. When they get older, you have no control. Sure. They gra- gravitate towards it because I watch everything. So, you know, so they'll watch it. So they, they love to wrestle and stuff like that. I take my son to jiu-jitsu after this. He excels in jiu-jitsu. I'm like, oh, fuck. But, um, you know, there's not much you can do. Like if they, if they have the knack for it, they're going to do it, you know. So I can definitely give them some tips to here and there, but – I just want them to get involved sports at a young age because it's it's black and white, black and white. There's no politics involved with football or jujitsu or wrestling. It's very black and white. It doesn't matter how much money your dad has or how much money his dad has. The best play. So I want them to learn that and discipline and hard work. And they're going to take some L's along the way. But I think it's a great lesson in life. Absolutely, dude. Yeah. yeah it's so almost, they, you know, I'm not like, you know, this dictator dad, like, you got to play sports. If they, they want to be painters, great. As long as they have a passion, because when a young man or w- woman doesn't have passion, that's when they get in trouble. Sure. So, as whatever they're into, I'm going to ride with it. I that, don't care what it that's is. That's kind of what, um, actually, what Cal and I were talking about. He was just like, my, my best advice to young people is like, learn a skill, whatever skill it is. I wouldn't say skill, just find your pet, find something you're interested in and run with it. Yeah, but, Take be, it as but far try as to get go. good at something. Sure. Yeah. Like, have something to strive for. Have something that makes you want to get up and work hard at something. Have like just find your passion and run with it. Yeah, yeah. As long as you can. Yeah. And see where it takes you. And you'll find something else out off of it. It might maybe you're not, you know, the next freaking, you know, Jerry Seinfeld, but then you start doing podcasts like actually like the I won't be the guy behind the camera. You, sure. you get different sure. perspectives. You never know where it's gonna take you, but fucking run with it. Yeah. The, the, the Don't have a plan B. The medium of podcasting seemed to be kind of like where you found your opportunity a little bit, at least, right? I mean, like you have yeah, because like I put many my shows now. Uh, oof, how I many have, shows are you a host on, and then how many shows are part of the network? Uh, let's see. So we have Fire and the Kid. Um, we have the Golden Hour, formerly known as King of the Sting. So Fire and Kids, me and Brian Callen. Golden Hour is me, Chris D'Elia, Eric Griffin. Um, we have Shop Show, which is just me. We have Food Truck Diary uh, Diaries, which is me and a, another fighter, and then we have the Cowbass Fight Companion. So we have Got five it. shows on the network. Yeah. Keeps you busy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I got to find a way to eventually, like, cut it down. You know, I, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure how much I can be a CEO, like President Thick Boy, and the talent, and yeah. stand-up, and all this, and be a good dad and good husband. Like, yeah. I told my girls, like, how long do you think you can do this? Especially when I got my psoriasis. I'm like, at this level I'm working at, maybe another two, three years before I got to make some changes. So we'll see where it goes. What do you think the next move is? I don't know. Oh, <clears throat> I don't know. Rob, Rob Diedrich's a good buddy. When he came, he did the show and he's like, all right, he's like, see the network. And he's Rob's town, obviously ridiculousness. He crushed it on that, but Rob's flips businesses and invests in businesses. He's the best. Got him on the show. He's that. the best. And he was just like, what's the plan? And he's like, I'm looking. He's like, it's probably worth this much. You could sell it for this. I'm like, Rob, you got to chill. <laughs> I said, this is this thick plane, thick boy network, this thick plane. We're just getting off the ground. We're a year in is very young. We're just getting off the ground. Let me get to cruising altitude. Let me get some Wi-Fi, and then I'll figure out the plan. But right now, I'm just trying. I'm, I got blinders on. I just got to get this thing off the ground, and let, then I'll figure out, and I'll call you. Is the goal increased viewership on existing shows, or is the goal to continue incubating talent and getting 
shows off the ground. I think eventually, um, you know, develop another talent, stuff like that. That's tough to do. And Tom Segura, who's kind of my North Star, he has, you know, your mom's house and mm-hmm. he has his network. And he always told me, he goes, you'll find out how tough it is to start a new podcast. He goes, you'll realize that you have to be part of it. Because mm-hmm. if you, unless they have a built-in audience, you know, whether it's a former fighter, stand-up comedian, whatever it is, you realize starting a talent from nothing to something is the fucking tough, dude. Yeah. And it's not going to be worth your time. At the level you're operating at, it's not worth your time. Yeah, that's the crazy thing to me about, uh, like, what Barstool's been. Mm-hmm. They seem to be able. Like, they, they have a built-in a, audience, though. That they, they odd, and they hire talent that they know that audience is going to vibe with, and they're the best at it. And they consistently find good young talent mm-hmm. that they're actually funny. Well, because they're, they're pro- actually the, interesting. Because one of the the upsides of Barstool is they know what's going to work for their audience, and every single person that is up and coming funny wants to work for them. Mm-hmm. So you, they have a bigger pool to choose from. Sure. Um, they're great that, at it. Is that is that kind of the goal for you? Is that level of of um, of media attention? I'd have to bring up bring on some help, you know, which which I'll probably do in the next year or two. Yeah. But like yeah, a president or a CEO or something, maybe where I can back off a little bit in other shows where I'm not, I don't have to be the talent. Yeah, for sure. That's exactly. I mean, that's the playbook we're running right now. Is I just submitted an offer letter. We'll see if how it goes um, for a president to come in and like run my my agency. That'd be great if I could step back. That'd be plate, great because I like I. I love doing this, this exact thing, just going out, meeting interesting people, having fun conversations, Mm -hmm. um, and then figuring out how to turn it into money later, (laughs) you know? Yeah. I would Um, love for someone to come in and do that, you know, cause, uh, yeah, I could use some help. I'm, I'm exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's just too much. Mm -hmm. And, and like the, the the point where I got to bro was where I, I started looking at some of my like most productive and wealthy friends where I was like, you know, this person's doing $300 million this year. Mm Mm-hmm. And they work less and seem much happier than I am. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, <laughs> but I bet if you went back a number of years, exactly. they were doing no, totally. what you were doing. Totally. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, they like, got to that point. That's success to me. The hustle, the hustle will get you to a certain place, but it will only get Before you, you so break far. down. Yeah, exactly. correct. Yeah. Because at some point, at some point, your hours can literally not be duplicated. Correct. You have to be able to like bring on some other people who are as good or ideally much better than you you want someone the better. thing that you're trying to do yeah because i'm a control freak so they'd have to come on know what the fuck they're doing where i can fully trust them and don't have to Absolutely. worry about it yeah yeah which is hard to find uh it's a needle in a haystack yes yeah because you waste a lot of money going through people like tell that me about it trying to yes like, hey but let's bring yep. you on to sign a contract then 90 days later it's like hey this what have you done yeah <laughs> you know what would I mean? you say you do here yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah i've had many of those conversations <laughs> what would you say you do here <laughs> describe for <laughs> yeah. me what i'm paying Yes. <laughs> um, okay, so the, the show is called Travis Makes Friends, dude. And the reason that we changed it to that is it used to, call, used to be called Build Your Network. And it was more or less about the, the whole idea is that your friends and the people that you hang out with will ultimately shape you and the, the person that you're going to become. Mm-hmm. Who you get around with the influences that, that you put around you will turn you into a new version of yourself, whether it's a positive or... Yeah, you are who you hang out with. Yeah. Sure. That's why some of my son's friends are like, uh-uh. Yeah, absolutely not. Yes. Draw, draw a line on that. Yeah. Um, so we, we rebranded the show called Travis Makes Friends because I've found the older I get, the more difficult it is to make like genuine friendship. When you're a kid, it's just damn so near impossible. When you're a kid, you're both into Legos. Yeah. Right. Like, that's like, your common Let's be best friends. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, right. We're, we hang out same school. Your yeah. friend, our parents are friends. That's right. easy. We play football. As grown men after 35, good luck, man. Yeah. That's and trusting people too. 
exactly that's the exactly the point is like i've been burned so many times there's so many people that you you have no idea who they are Mm -hmm. and even if it's they seem fun and a lot of times those are the people that are actually the worst ones are the ones that like are the best looking from the outside in terms of you know oh they seem to have all their shit together and then like four months later it's like oh disaster yeah this is not correct um how do you view how do you view making friends as an adult like you know because i my thing is is like it's still an important part of life you know we're social creatures and and do you have kids? I do, yeah. How many? I got two. What age? My son is three, um, three and a half. My daughter is two. Nice. It's tough when you're a parent because you'll hang out with other parents. I'm a homebody. I'm in the mindset right now, hashtag no new friends. You know, it's kind of like, I mean, we'll be friends, but other than that, it's kind of, it's tough, man. It's tough. I don't go to dinners. Uh, I'm not going to go to your house, watch the ball game or fights. I don't do any of that. I like to be home with my kids, man. You know, so it's like it's very fair. I have a good group of friends now. It's not a ton of them, small, smaller circle. Yeah. I have some, you know, people that I talk to, we're friends, but they're also busy too. So they get it. Right. So if, if you're that friend that needs a text every morning or if you call me, I don't call back and you get, you get butt hurt, probably don't need you in my life, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's tough. Yeah. It's really tough to make friends. For sure. When you have kids, dude, because it's like you said, it's different. It's a different ballgame. You know, like I had somebody of good friend of mine invited me over to their house for the Super Bowl yesterday. And I just found myself staying at home with my kids. Oh, I have no was, desire. Yeah, because it was like this is this is like the first year of my son. I feel like my son actually understands what was happening a little bit. But yeah. also, most of my friends know, and we're all the same. Most of my friends the same way. Like most of my friends now, we all work together. Like yeah. me and Brian, I can't remember last time we hung out outside the podcast studio. I mean, we're just in Austin together and spent the entire day like like two freaking partners just sure. strolling strolling the streets of austin chatting you know right. he's one of my best friends delia's a good friend theo's a good friend you know rogan's a good friend but usually outside work like all of us are so busy unless right. it's work related but that's also our social time like work is our social time so i check the box at work i get all of it out you know so when i get home it's all good we yeah, don't need yeah. to go that's to dinner like you're not we just clocking did it. in at the no we just did sawmill it we just did a podcast yeah. like <laughs> right. me and rogan do a podcast for four hours we're good right. we're right. good Talked an hour after, had drinks, did our thing. We get went to dinner. We're good. Yeah, right, right. Everyone's busy, man. Everyone has kids. Right. Now that's, I mean, I think you said it right there, kind of accidentally too. Is that's the reason I tell a bunch of people to start a podcast. I tell a lot of like grown ass adults, just like, yeah, you just start a podcast, even if it gets zero listeners. Yeah. Just because it gives you an excuse to go out and connect with interesting people for sure that you would normally never would. Yeah, and you're you're building rapport around typically like a common area of interest because yes. your show is going to be about whatever, like we just had Andy stump on and he's talking about gun control i don't know fuck all about guns yeah. i was into it though you know yeah. i was like hell yeah dude you know i don't know <laughs> whatever you say yeah, yeah hell yeah man let's storm the capitol i don't know <laughs> you know yeah dude so that that's 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 what i would tell people is just like start a podcast go to events find people that find people that are interested in the same stuff that you're interested in yeah, it's because I I've been done a lot of other people's podcasts. I just recently started doing other podcasts, which like gets me out of my comfort zone. Like yeah. I usually have a really strict schedule. I do my two shows on Monday, pick my kids up from school, but it's good every now and then get out of my comfort zone. Like I met you, you're a good dude, we have similar interests. We're gonna get a timeshare together, might hook up. I don't know, yeah. we'll see. But it's like, you know, it's like uh, it's good to also get out of your comfort zone too. So don't get me wrong. Like I'm home, I'm a homebody, yeah. wife and kids. If I'm not working outside, that's tough to get me out of the house, but it's also good to do stuff like this. I got to get better at getting out of my comfort zone. How long are you and the wiping together? 
Shit, man. Oh, over 10 years. Wow. I mean, we were dating them, you know, married, but dating around, yeah, right 10 years now, I think. How's, uh, how's this whole thing been for her? Like the transition? I mean, because obviously she's been with you since before any of this. Yeah, happened. she was in and that 800 square foot apartment I was yeah. leasing when I was fighting the UFC with no money, sleeping on the ground, uh, <laughs> and watching TV. The only thing I had was an iPad. I was like, you want to watch a movie? She's like, you don't have a TV. I'm like, I have an iPad. You have an iPad, iPad holder? Yeah. It's like, no, it was me the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Like there, and I put, put a pillow and propped it up. She's like, this is so ghetto. I'm like, shut up. Uh, McDonald's. Yeah. But she, uh, she's been w- with me since that to where we're at now. So. Uh, yeah, she's a loyal woman. She's great. I, th- I think it's a lot for her because she didn't sign up for this. Sure. Exactly. You know, I don't think she thought it was going to become what it has, you know, and being on the road and stuff like that, especially with two kids. So it's a lot. Credit's to, credit to her. I'm, and I'm difficult to deal with, man. 100%. Yeah, yeah. 100%. You got to be a little bit crazy to pull all this shit off. So she has her hands full. You got any, God uh, bless her. <laughs> you got any uh, relationship advice for people? Ooh, I mean, relationship from my perspective, like, you know, don't forget it's not all about work. You know, mm-hmm. you still got to put the time in at home and make the, make them a priority. You don't want to forget about, you know, what got you to the dance. Yeah, you know, yeah. You've had this great supporting group, so you don't want to leave them behind because they're the ones you need to worry about. So it's like, you know, I had a buddy who was like, oh, let's go to Miami and we'll do this content with Kosh 6 9 I was like, first of all, I'm 39 years old. <laughs> I got kids. I'm not flying to Miami to do a TikTok with Takashi Six Nine. You know, it's like I gotta be home, man. If it's not really important and you know paying my mortgage, yeah. I'm probably not coming, man. Yeah. You know, right. Right. especially not for that. No, 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 no. But the good thing is, like all my close friends, they're the same as me. Yeah, we're still really close, and when we work together, that's our social hour. But it's like, it's rare, you know, they'll be like, hey, you want to come overnight for some beers? I don't think I've ever had a friend. I've, I've never asked a friend, what? Excuse me, sir? Excuse me? For what? You know? Yeah, what's your door? Are there podcast door? reads? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is it sponsored by Blue Apron? You know? Is BetterHelp.com sponsoring this hangout? No, then I'm not coming over. Yeah. But it's tough. You got to find that balance. It can't be all business, you know? Right, right, right. Exactly. It's yeah. tough to do that, brother. It is tough. Yeah, you got to. At the end of the day, you know, I feel like your happiness and meaning is all tied to the quality of the relationships that you have, whether it's family, your wife, your kids, or friends. hundred percent. And especially as a dude, I think you need that, you know, you need to bro out every once in a while. And, uh, and I get, I get that with, with standup, like now it's since the pandemic and like Rogan and Tom, like everyone went their separate ways. And even if they're still in LA, it's just the scene's a little different, but man, that was the, the golden age. And I think the thing I learned now especially since the pandemic it's like nothing lasts forever nothing man mm. and i was like i was just naive i was like oh well, i'm be we're gonna be doing this hanging out like all rogan joey diaz delia brian theo like this is what we're gonna do for the rest of our life this is the best life ever and that's like no man there's curveballs life throws at you like and that's all good yeah. like with king and this thing like theo m- moved to nashville and we both thought we could pull it off. He's like, I'll just zoom in and I'll fly back every other week. But eventually it's like, fuck, it's like, this right. is a lot, man. And he was like, and I remember, I'll never forget this. Theo gave me great advice. He's like, it's okay, man. We had such a good time. We built something so special. You're my best friends. It's all good, dude. It's yeah. ran its course. I was like, yeah, you're right, dude. He's like, go run over with Dilly and Eric Griffin. It's all good, dude. Yeah. I was like, you're right. It is all good. Like, how long are we going to do this? Right. He's like, how long, right. how long do you want to do this, man? Yeah. Like, you're right, brother. Um, I'm curious, dude. I know we're we're coming close to time, so I don't want to 
you're disrespectful here. Um, so I want to kind of wind it down with a couple quick questions for you. Eight inches. Um, <laughs> wait, that's bigger. I don't know. Okay. I'm just saying. All right. Um, okay. You have stepped into the cage and you have stepped onto the stand up mm-hmm. stage. Which of those two is scarier? I've, I've got, when I was coming up, I get this question so many times when I do press, like at radio, but at least it's come from you. You know, like, cause they'd be like, oh, okay, Brent, what's tougher in fight inside that gun or stand up, go, you know, like every, I'd be like, oh my God, but I don't mind it now. Um, uh, they're, they're so completely different. Like step inside that gun is so terrifying. Like the most terrifying, it's a great rush. If you win, if you lose it's the worst thing in your life, it's just so scary. So stand up, I like I can do a set tonight at the Laugh Factory, eat shit, and run over to the improv and redeem myself and use bits I know are gonna work. Um, it's just, it's just it's just so different. But there's nothing scarier or there's no worse gig in the world than getting punched in the face in your underwear on you know national TV, <laughs> especially when you lose. So that's still that's still the winner. Toughest thing I've ever done. Yeah, I mean stand up's fucking tough, man. Don't get me wrong; they're just so completely different. Yeah, I was gonna. I, I think I actually I think I asked that. To Brian Cowan, I was like, You did? I, He's I, I, never, ever, ever done athletics at no, all. No, 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 oh, no, 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 not that. No, if no, he no. pretended he was a fight on a show, <laughs> I'm gonna freak the fuck out. Or if he pretended he was like in the special ops or yeah. some shit, which he's so into, I'll kill him. No, no, no. It was something about, um, uh, oh, I, I was setting it up because I was just like, I feel like of all the things I've done, like door to door is just so much rejection and it's so emotionally exhausting. No one's watching though. But, but that's what I was going to say was that like, I feel like stand up and acting. If there's anything that has more rejection, it's audition. Yeah. I've done like auditions. I, and that's whatever. Cause you know, like your chances of getting are so small yeah. stand ups tough. If you're on a big show and you're trying new stuff out or for whatever reason, the crowd's not feeling you and the guys before you did great. And then you eat dick. Like it's a real special talent to be like, all right, well, Better go figure that this sucked. out. Yeah, that sucked ass. <laughs> I guess I'm doing it like, again bombing's tomorrow. The worst, dude. But nothing worse than flying to Brazil for a major pay per view fight and getting knocked out in your underwear. Oof. You know, like yeah. that. There's no, there's no lower, lower than that. That's <laughs> the worst. You know, there's nothing worse. And of course, fans remind you. Remember this? It's yeah, like, bro, right. that was 12 years ago. <laughs> yeah. I'll never forget. You're yeah, like, all I, right. I love how it's the fans too that are like 240 pounds overweight. Yeah, eating, yeah. Eating Doritos, watching the fight on their seventh beer. And yeah, like, you suck. They're the most critical. You're like, yeah. okay, yeah. okay. Step yeah. into the ring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, last thing here, dude. Um, I know that you got a ton of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so where do you want people to go connect with you more? What, when's this air? Whenever you want it to. Uh, if it's soon, I'm in Naples this weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Won't be that soon. Naples. Okay. So not whenever I want. Okay. Um, <laughs> backtrack, backtrack. Yeah, backtrack. Sorry. Uh, outside that, uh, I'm in Bakersfield. Um, I think it's the 23rd, so Thursday night only that thing's almost sold out Bakersfield, California. Okay. And then I go over to Brea improv. That's March. I think that's third or fourth. It's the Friday that week. So it might be March 3rd. I have two shows at Brea improv, me and special guest, Two shows, one night. That's a March 3rd, Friday night, Bray Improv. Then Saturday, I have a Calabas fight campaign for the big uh, UFC 285 with me, Jelly Roll, Rampage Jacks, and a special guest. Oh, nice. That'll be awesome, dude. And then I'm in Oklahoma City and Tacoma. I'm all over, man. If you are watching the show, listening to the show, and you also liked the episode with Brian Callen, uh, then definitely go check out 
Brennan's show, The Fighter and the Kid, available wherever you get your podcasts. And if and you have any tips, get rid of psoriasis or keep fish from dying. Shoot, shoot it my way. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's all good. Thanks, man. It's all right. Um, if you enjoy this episode of the show, please leave a quick rating and review. Subscribe. Tell us, uh, tell us what we can do better. Tell us you know, if you want different whiskey or you want, you know, whatever. Just tell us. Tell I us think, things. I think we're Give friends now, though, man. Yeah, yeah. Shared some whiskey. So. Yeah, thanks, yeah, brother. Thanks. We're friends. Define. No, I won't come over for beers. <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot, guys. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for spending some time with me and my friends. If you want to be better friends with me, then head over to travischapel.com slash team to subscribe to my free newsletter, Your Friend Travis, where I share what's on my mind about life, building a business, raising kids, being married, and anything else I would normally share with my close circle of friends. That's travischapel.com slash team. And my biggest ask of you since I'm sharing my friends with you is to share this episode with a friend of yours that hasn't listened to the show yet and leave us a quick five-star rating in Apple Podcasts and in Spotify. It would mean the world to us as it helps us make sure that this show continues to be more valuable to you. Thanks in advance, and I'll catch you on the next episode. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.